invite you to open your Bible with me to uh, 1 Timothy. We've been here a while, and uh, we're almost finished uh, going through this, this uh, letter. Uh, one of the advantages of preaching expos- expositionally is um, it forces you, as you work through the text, to read and preach and teach things that sometimes you would just never address or look at on, on your own. And this morning is certainly an example of that. We're going to uh, look somewhat at what the Bible says about widows. And I don't know that I would ever just on my own preach a message on widows. So, but there's a, there's a message here for us and, and I think it's, it'll be good. God will speak to us. So I invite you to go to First Timothy chapter 5. For too many Christians, it's fairly easy for us to show up on a Sunday morning to sit through a worship service, sing some songs, listen to a sermon, and then after the service ends, to walk out without any meaningful connection with other Christians. And as you read the Bible, you discover that that's not God's design at all. If in fact the people sitting in pews next to us each week, if they are genuine Christians, then they are our church family. They are brothers and sisters in Christ, people for whom Christ died. Therefore, we ought to be concerned about them. 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 18, John Uh, Jesus' disciple writes this, 1 John 3, 14 through 18. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he, Jesus, laid his life down for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide him, in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, John is saying, failing to love our brothers and sisters is evidence that we've not really passed from death to life. The point is how we relate to each other, how we treat one another is important because it communicates the genuineness of our relationship to Christ. In writing this letter, Paul to Timothy, we've seen this, the main theme, the ideas in chapter 3, verses 14 through 15 really the theme of the whole book. And Paul says, I'm hoping to get back there to see you, Timothy, real soon. But if I'm delayed, this letter will help you and all the members to know how to conduct ourselves or how to function as the church of the living God. And if you look in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he's just told Timothy, hey, if you want to be a good servant and have an effective ministry, then take care of yourself first. Stay nourished in the words of faith, pass along, share the word with others, and then exercise yourself unto spiritual godliness. And then he goes on, he has this concern that because of his young age, that perhaps some of the older members and 
those that he's going to have to confront in the church, they're going to reject him. They're going to write him off. And so Paul, with that concern, anticipates it and says, so here's what you need to do to make your ministry acceptable. Do you remember? And starting in chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, I just mentioned them. He says, make sure you set a good example before everyone. Second, ground everything you do in Scripture. Third, Timothy, develop your gift or your gifts. And fourth, remain focused on your calling or remain single-minded. And then he says, persevere, continue in these things that you know to be true. And then we looked at this last week in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Whenever you have to confront others in the church and confront sin, you remember he said, as you relate, relate to older men, talk to them, treat them like they were your own dad. Treat older women, relate to them like you would your own mother. Treat and relate to younger men like they were your brothers. Just talk that way to them. And then with the younger women in the church, relate to them, talk to them, treat them like you would your own sister. View them like you would your sister in all purity. And so that was his counsel. And then from this morning, we're going to see the next subject that he addresses is uh, how we are to relate to and to care for widows. And so read with me, really interesting text, starting in 1 Timothy 5, start with verse 3. Timothy, honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone, who trusts in God and continues in supplication and prayers night and day, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. If anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works, if she's brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. But Refuse the younger widows, for when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. And he concludes, if any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened, 
that it may relieve those who are really widows. What a great text of scripture. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, thank you for providing us with your word. As we see it with our eyes and hear it with our ears, give us understanding with our minds, acting upon it with our lives in full obedience under the presence, the power, and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And may we as your church be edified as evidence of your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you know the Bible, you know that it has a lot to say about widows, orphans, and aliens. Widows are those who no longer have husbands. Orphans are those who have no parents. And aliens are those who have no home, no country. God demands that these three groups of people are to be valued, protected, and to be cared for. They are to be treated exceptionally well. The Bible describes God as a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. He defends the cause of the orphan and the widow. And because this is who our God is, that's his nature, then we are to be like God and to have the same concern, the same nature. Never are we to take advantage nor to neglect widows, orphans, or aliens. And if we do, the Bible says, God speaking, if they cry out to me, I will diligently hear their cries and my anger will be aroused towards those who neglect them or abuse them. So, for example, in the Bible, judges who withheld justice from these groups of people would fall under God's judgment, receiving his wrath. Farmers who ignored God's instructions to store up a tithe for those in need, leaving gleanings in the field for the poor and orphans and widows to glean would also be in danger of God's judgment. The prophets repeatedly warned the nation of Israel when they would exploit these groups of people and oppress them instead of defending them and providing for them. Jesus consistently demonstrated compassion towards widows. For example, the widow of Nain. He restored the life of her son. He commended the widow who was persistent in demanding action from the unjust judge. Jesus drew attention to the poor widow who dropped two copper coins into the temple treasury and commended her generosity. Jesus rebuked the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious elites who devoured widows and their homes. Jesus' disciples, the apostles, picked up on his teaching and upon his example and put his teaching into action. From Acts chapter 6, we know the early church selected seven gifted leaders as deacons to oversee the daily distribution of food and finances to the widows in Jerusalem. Do you remember a bold, bold 
passage of scripture from the apostle James. He said, Christianity that is pure, Christianity that is without fault in God's sight is Christianity that looks after orphans and widows. Hear that again. Christianity that is pure, Christianity that is without fault in God's sight is that which looks after orphans and widows. Pure Christianity. Doesn't get any more pure than that. From the text, Paul's instructions to Timothy regarding widows divides itself into two categories. There are two classifications, or possibly three, but two major classifications of widows in this text. The first group of widows are a group of widows that are to receive care. In verses 3 through 8, they are described as widows who are to be honored or supported, which means they are to receive financial ministry support. And then there's another group of widows mentioned in the text who are called by God not to receive care, but a group of widows who are called to provide care for others. And they're described in verses 9 through 16. They are those who are to be taken in or enrolled, to put on the list or registered as servants to others. And so these two groups of widows are described. One group receiving support to be cared for, to be honored, and the second group of widows are those who are to give support and to care for others. And so I want to look at these individually, and uh, there's some great things here that God says to us in his word. Before we get into the text, we need to remember the historical context here a little bit because there are some pretty major differences between widows in the first century living in Ephesus and widows in the 21st century living in Mississippi and living in New Albany. Some pretty major differences. We are by and large living with safety nets, safety nets that they didn't have. Safety nets today like disability and life insurance, retirement 401ks, sometimes pensions, nursing homes, assisted living centers, all of which help to provide for the elderly, which includes widows. These safety nets are not bad. In fact, they're mostly good. However, they can lead us as Christian men and women for our Christianity to become defiled when we abdicate our responsibility to care for widows and to care for those in need. So the point is our context is very different from Timothy's setting in Ephesus. Therefore, when it comes to application, we're not comparing apples with apples, and so we need to pick out the principles. So I invite you, now with your Bible open, let's examine what Paul is saying to Timothy, and then try to address what does this mean, what's the application for us today regarding widows? Well, let's think first about this, this first group, this first category of widows. Those who are to be honored, those who are to be cared for. Notice, if you have, have your Bible, and I hope you do, look at verse 3. Look how he describes these widows in verse 3. 
He says, honor widows who what? Are really widows. Some translations say who are true widows. Look at verse 5. Now she who is what? Really a widow or a true widow. Look down to verse 16 at the end. We are to relieve those who are what? Really widows, true widows. It's a recurring phrase. And so if you think about this, and I'll come and explain what this means. In Ephesus, no pensions, no 401ks, no life insurance money, no disability checks, no social security checks, no savings account, banking accounts, no nursing homes, no assisted living centers, no meals on wheels, no safety nets. These women who are real widows are truly widows. It, Paul is describing these are women, these are widows in the church who are destitute. They're really in need. They are true widows needing support and help. And what does Paul say about them? He says they are to be honored. Honor there means to, they're to be cared for and provided support. And so, which includes financial. Notice Paul doesn't tell Timothy to help all of the widows in the city of Ephesus. Not so. Instead, he says, honor those widows who are true widows, who are real widows, Honor those in the church who are in need. Honor those who need this support. And so the key is, Timothy, identify who these widows are in the church. And he also clarifies they're also to be those who have no family, no children, no grandchildren, no relatives in the church. Look at verse 4 and 5. And this is... Uh, uh, very applicable for us. If any widow has children or grandchildren, what? Let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. You, you see the application for us, right? To repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a true widow and left alone. In other words, she doesn't have children. She doesn't have grandkids. She's a true widow. They're to be ministered to. And so Timothy, identify these widows, who they are. They're alone. They don't have sons. They don't have daughters. They don't have grandchildren. They have no family. And they have, they're destitute. They're, they're in need. And it would be good for us to pause right here because there's a principle that applies to us today. And it's a principle that we need to hear and to be reminded of or perhaps we've never heard or thought about before. The principle is this. Children and grandchildren, biblically, before God, are responsible for taking care of their parents and grandparents. Do you hear that? God expects children and grandchildren to take care of their parents and their grandparents as they age. That's the principle. 
If you and I have aging parents and grandparents, we are to honor them and to provide support and care. Verse 4, notice what it says. Look there. He says, let them, who's it them? The children and the grandchildren first learn to show piety at home. In other words, you, you demonstrate your faith first at home. God is saying our faith in Christ begins with family. Our faith in Christ starts at home, caring for each other, especially when it's hard and it's inconvenient. Verse 4, children and grandchildren, the Bible says, are to repay their parents. Look down at verse 16. Uses a different word, but it's the same root. Children and grandparents, he says, are to relieve, to relieve their parents and their grandparents. To repay, to relieve, it's the same thing. Who? Their parents, their grandparents. And so, parents, think about this. Woohoo, right? This is pretty awesome, right? We raise kids, raising kids. And so, Every dollar that we spend on food, on their meals, on their clothes, on their cleats, on their school costs, on their doctor's visits, on their dental visits, on their sports fees, on their tuition, on their toiletries, on their laundry expenses, on their cars, on their insurance, it all has to be repaid. We as parents, grandparents, we're going to get some relief someday. Listen, I hope our kids, our four, are listening to this. And Mindy, what I want you is make sure you tell them to connect in and listen to this sermon. The children and the grandchildren are to repay, to provide relief for the parents and the grandparents. And if you're interested, I did some research. In today's economy, the average cost of raising one child to the age of 18, what would you guess? On the low end, average cost to raise a child to the age of 18 in today's dollars, on the low end was $10,100 a year. On the higher end was $14,800 a year. And so the total cost for 18 years to raise one kid on the low end is $181,000 and 800, $181,800. And on the higher end is $267,000. That does not include any education post high school. It's all going to be repaid. I've got four. We're going to be living well. They're in retirement. <laughs> How are they to repay? What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that you and I as parents keep a ledger, keep track of all the expenses. Rather, it means this, that Christian children, Christian grandchildren recognize before God they have a responsibility to repay, to relieve. That means to take care of their parents and their grandparents when they're in need. In verse 4, it says what? For this is good and acceptable before God, which means caring for the aging elderly parents and grandparents. It means it pleases God. Notice also what it says in verse 8. It also demonstrates your faith. 
You remember James? If we don't, if we don't take care of widows, then we defile Christianity. It demonstrates your faith. Look at verse 8. This is an amazing verse. And it's in the context of taking care of widows, taking care of parents and grandparents. Notice what it says, verse 8. If any child or grandchild does not provide for his or her own relatives, which is parents and grandparents, that's the context, especially those of their own household, what? He says what? They've denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever. Let that sink in. The message is, it's impossible for a real Christian not to care for those of their own household and their own family. That's the message. And verse 7, notice Timothy, command these things, teach these things. When's the last time you heard anybody teach, preach on this? And I, and I think what we're looking at today is becoming a, a, um, an understanding, a mindset that our culture is losing. It's not being taught. It's not being preached. It's impossible for a real Christian not to care for their own household and their own family. Command these things. Teach these things. And verse 7 says to they. Who is they? Command to teach these things to children and grandchildren. He says, why? That they may be blameless before God so that they don't deny the faith. And so the context for us is the elderly members of our church who are in need, needing help. The first line of support is the responsibility of children and grandchildren, which in verse 16, he says, relieves the church. He actually says, so the church is not burdened. That first line of defense is children and grandchildren, and it relieves the church. So in summary, you and I as Christians are to provide care for our aging parents. We are, what does he say? We're to repay them, to provide relief, to provide care. Second, he says, when we do so, it pleases God. Third, it demonstrates our faith. And fourth, it takes the pressure off the church. That's God's design. Timothy, identify widows in the church who are in need, who are truly widows, who have no family, no relatives, and honor them, care for them, support them. And then there are some additional considerations. Those widows in need who are to be supported, he says, must be widows Look at verse 5, who what? They need to be godly widows. They need to be widows who depend upon and trust in God. And second, they need to be widows who are devoted to prayer. Timothy, identify widows who are truly need, who are true widows, who are left alone, no family. They're living a godly life. Women who are devoted to faith and prayer. In other words, those elderly women who love Jesus and devote themselves to the ministry of prayer and faith. Uh, I was reminded, going through this text, of Luke chapter 2, of a, a widow named Anna. A widow named Anna. Listen to the, what the Bible says about this widow. Luke 2, starting in verse 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, 
the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. This woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. Luke describes this 84-year-old widow woman as a woman who devoted her life to fasting and prayer. Author Susan Hunt, in her book, Mothering, comments on Anna here in Luke 2. Listen to what she says. Older women who love Jesus, who do not have the daily responsibilities of children or working jobs, are a powerful source of intercessory prayer in the life of the church. It kind of conveys the point. Older widows who have already raised kids, who no longer have all the responsibilities that younger women have, are freed up for a concerted time in service, fasting, and prayer. And I would add, I think it would be pretty awesome, pretty wonderful for God to impress through the Holy Spirit upon the minds and the hearts of some of these older women and men in Hillcrest Baptist Church take, to take the lead and revving up, revving up the ministry of prayer in this church. And so I want to throw that out to you as just as a challenge to rev up, to take the lead in revving up the ministry of prayer in the life of this church. Would it surprise you to know we have 63 widows who are active here in Hillcrest Baptist Church? 63 in our church family. Some are older, some are younger. Christian women who've experienced the loss of a husband, many who were married years and years, happily married, I would add, who, are, who grieve, who still grieve the loss of their husbands. We have other women who are widows in this church and who are widows through divorce or desertion, but they're widows many who are struggling to manage carrying the responsibilities of life all alone. And the message to us is twofold. All of us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ have a responsibility to honor our parents and grandparents and to neglect to do so is a contradiction of our faith. Verse 8, it says it's a denial of the gospel. Our actions or lack thereof are worse than the actions or the sins, the lifestyle of an unbeliever when we neglect them. And second, we as a church family are to honor, support widows, we're to identify those in need and to step up and to provide care physically, financially, and in any other ways that are needed to help support and care for them. Practically, that's what we, what we try to do. So how do we do that? Well, our deacons are involved in that to identifying widows in the church who have some needs, and so our deacons doing that. Sunday school classes try to do that. We as staff try to do what we can, and all of us, to some degree, work together on this. And you know which group, I think, does the best job at ministering to widows in this church? You have any guess? 
I think other widows. They minister well to one another. Some of the best ministry in the church. So the first major section, the division of this text, is on caring, supporting widows. These elderly parents and grandparents, if we have them. And then the second section focuses on those widows who are in a position to provide support to others. Look at verse 9. Look at that verse with me. Read it with me. Verse 9. He says, do not let Timothy, a widow under 60 years old, be taken into the number. Into the number. Take it. And none under the age of 60 are to be taken into this number. Some of your Bibles say anybody under 60 is not to be added to the list. And so those widows taken into the number, added to the list, seems to be referring to widows who are enlisted or registered for serving others. I believe that Paul is calling Timothy to recognize these older women, those over 60, which was really old in the first century, and to call them into service, spiritual ministry in the life of the church. It's similar to chapter 3. Remember in chapter 3 there were two categories of those who were to serve in offices, elders and deacons. This seems to be like another office. Elderly women who were capable to serve, and there were qualifications that they had to meet to be enrolled on this list, to be registered as servants in the church. Look at verse 9. They had to be at least age 60. And the idea is, I don't, I don't think the, the number 60 is the point. I think it's the point is they had to be mature. They had to be mature. A reference to widows who are beyond working, beyond family responsibilities, and referring to women who are less likely to remarry. Then verse 9 also adds, they must have been faithful wives, literally a one-man woman. Verse 10 adds, it's reported about these women, they are known for good works. She is, these women have also served others. They've demonstrated their faith. They've, and Paul says in verse 10, they've raised, they've brought up children, which I don't believe is a disqualifier for women who've never had children. Rather, in this context, they are women who have served God faithfully as mothers. And so the summary is this woman who is to be enrolled or put on this list to serve others has been a faithful wife, a good mother. She's exercised the gift of hospitality. She's modeled humble service and is unselfish and kind. So the point of application, there's a call from God also upon widows, mature, godly women to maximize their lives by serving the Lord in and through the life of their church, through the life of their church family. And we have some women in this church who model this in amazing ways. And I could start rattling off names, but you already know who many of them are. Elderly widow women here who are godly, who serve all kinds of ways through prayer, teaching, starting and leading Bible studies, overseeing the clothes distribution in the food ministry, women, elderly women here who mentor other women, Titus 2, who oversee meals and make visits and provide counseling and lead up ministry areas and are involved in discipleships. And there's opportunity. The opportunities are vast for service. 
And then it's interesting, in verses 11 through 15, Paul also provides instruction for younger widows in the church. Verse 11 says, these younger widows who are likely to have a desire to marry. Widows without husbands, younger, who might have a desire to marry, remarry. Verse 14 actually says it. And Paul says, therefore, I desire that they marry or remarry. If you try and understand and apply what Paul is saying there, he's addressing first century culture in Ephesus because in other places like 1 Corinthians 7, he encourages widows, do you remember? These younger widows, he encourages them to remain single. So in 1 Corinthians 7 to the church corner, he says, I wish these widows would remain single. He says, even as I am a single person. And then here in Timothy, he says, let these, I encourage these younger women who are widows to remarry. Listen to 1 Corinthians 7. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am single, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. That sounds like a younger woman to me. Um, I could, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> so what is it? Are these younger widows to remarry or to be single? Well, I think the key to understanding what he's saying, go to chapter 4, look at verse 3. You remember the false teachers that were in the church and some of their false teaching? Well, some of the false teaching is listed in chapter 4. Look at verse 3. And one of those is forbidding to marry. That's, that is being taught. They're being forbidden to marry or to remarry which is classified as false teaching. And so Paul is providing clarity. And he's saying, contrary to what these false teachers are saying in the church, he's saying, for these younger widows, it's okay to marry. And if you're young, he encourages them to remarry because that's part of God's design. And in the case of the Ephesian church, it seems that some of these younger widows, having been told falsely that they're not to remarry, we're therefore creating some problems in the church. Well, I can imagine what they were. We don't really know. Paul says two things about them. First, in verse 13, he says they're to avoid idleness or laziness. He actually says they're learning to be lazy, which is a sin. And then second, he says these younger widows are to abstain from gossip. Uh, you know what gossip is? Gossip is repeating someone else's business when they're not in your presence and you don't have their permission. That's gossip. Repeating someone else's business when they're not in your presence and you don't have their permission. Any of you gossips? Yeah. Yeah, we, we could all take that one to heart. And so the message was for these younger women to be on guard, to being susceptible to these kinds of sins, to laziness and gossip, and there were other sins. So we don't know exactly what was happening among them in the Ephesian church, but it seems to me Paul is correcting what these younger widows were being taught, specifically that they were to never remarry. And since they were taught younger women never to remarry, then there's pretty good indication that they were 
giving in to some temptations and desires, and we're doing things in the church that should only happen in marriage. And so you and I have to kind of read through the lines. What was going on? I have a pretty good idea. Because I think some of, some of it still goes on in the church today. So to the contrary, Paul is providing instruction for these younger widows to move ahead. Verse 12, he says they're not to cast off nor abandon their faith, but in faith to go forward with their lives. They still have desires to be married, to have family. And Paul is saying there's nothing wrong with that. They're free to do that. Let me close. The practical application for all of this, first of all, is gospel application. So what do you mean by that? All of this application begins in Christ. It's all rooted in the gospel. All of us at one time were orphans. Amen? All of us at one time had no relationship with our heavenly father. All of us were orphans, but all of us have been adopted. Orphans through the gospel who've been adopted into the family of God. At one time, all of us were aliens. We had no home, no way of eternal life. But now we are members of the kingdom and we have a heavenly home. Once we're aliens, but because of the gospel, we have home in heaven. At one time, all of us were widows spiritually destitute because of our sins, spiritually bankrupt before God. But God took us as widows and brought us in, met our needs. So this ministry is all rooted in the gospel. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are all have been saved, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, moved from orphans to adoption, aliens to members of the kingdom, widows now who have been relieved, but God, and therefore all of us are to be governed by the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Therefore, let me say these things. All Christians are expected to care for their aging parents. It's not up for vote. Saved, adopted, governed by the Lord Jesus Christ and his word, someday we're required to do that for our parents and, and our grandparents, which is a real way of demonstrating our faith in Christ. It's pure Christianity. Doesn't get any more pure than that. Second, we as a church are to identify who those elderly widows and members are in our church who have need, who are truly in need, and we are to do all we can to honor them and to care for them. Third, we should expect to see elderly and mature widows of our congregation who devote themselves in their last years to prayer and ministry, offering their lives for maximum impact in the kingdom as servants of Christ. Fourth, younger women in the church who are widows who have lost their husbands also are to be cared for, but are strongly encouraged and supported by us to remarry. But I would add, 
to remarry only in the Lord. Only in the Lord as God leads. And finally, all of us would do well to avoid the sins of spiritual laziness and gossip. We'd be a much better off church. I pray that God continues to produce through his word and the Holy Spirit a sensitivity that all of us have to the needs of orphans and aliens, internationals. And by the way, Blue Blue Mountain College has a huge influx of internationals, of aliens who are coming in. God's bringing them to our doorstep. And we'd all do well to be sensitive to orphans, to aliens, and to widows. And to have a respect and a heart for those who are older. And and I think that we as a culture have gotten to the place where we no longer care for and value the elderly among us the way we should. Pure Christianity. It's pure Christianity. Remembering that all of this is rooted in the gospel. Let me pray with you.